Thank you. Good evening. Happy New Year. Have I haven't said that to you. And I'm probably stating the absolute obvious in this context. But Scripture is amazing, isn't it? The Word of God is utterly amazing. I was... Uh, my prayer for tonight was that uh, beginning of New Year, and I, my prayer was, my prayer started, Lord, what do you want to say to us on this first Sunday uh, in the New Year? What is it you want to say to us? Um, and I sort of just prayed that and, and prayed it again. And then I was thinking, so where, where do I start? And we've been working our way through Isaiah, um, which uh, I know a lot of us have enjoyed. I, I've certainly enjoyed uh, preaching the, the, the weeks I have and some texts that I've not preached on before, I suspect. Um, but so I, I turned, I thought, where were we up to? And so I turned to Isaiah chapter 46. And uh, there God spoke and spoke to me and I pray that uh, he will speak to us as I share with you uh, some of these words. See, the Bible is not a sort of a dry thing that sort of just sits there. It's alive and the Spirit just... And it's not just something of, of thousands of years ago, but something that's relevant and speaks to us right now, uh, today. So, I want to just think a little bit about um, Isaiah chapter 46. You might want to turn to it in your, uh, in your Bibles, if you have one, or uh, on your mobile or whatever you read your Bible on. Uh, Isaiah chapter 46. Words on the screen. So Isaiah sharing his prophecy. Bell bows down. Nebo stoops low. Their idols are born of, by beasts of burden. The images that are carried about are burdensome. A burden for the weary. They stoop and bow down together. Unable to rescue the burden, they themselves go off into captivity. Listen to me, you descendants of Jacob, all the remnant of the people of Israel, you whom I have upheld since your birth and have carried since you were born. Even to your old age and grey hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you Sorry, I have made you, I will carry you, I will sustain you, and I will rescue you. With whom will you compare me or count me equal? To whom will you liken me that we may be compared? Some pour out gold from their bags and weigh out silver on the scales. They hire a goldsmith and make it into a god, and they bow down and worship it. They lift it to their shoulders and carry it. They set it up in its place, and there it stands. From that spot, it cannot move. Even though someone cries out to it, it cannot answer. It cannot save them from their troubles. Remember this. Keep it in mind. Take it to heart, you rebels. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. 
I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times. What is still to come, I say, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. From the east I summon a bird of prey, from a far off land, a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said, that I will bring about. What I have planned, that I will do. Listen to me, you stubborn hearted. You who are now far away, far from my righteousness. I am bringing my righteousness near. It is not far away, and my salvation will not be delayed. I will grant salvation to Zion, my splendor to Israel. Father, we just thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that it speaks to us, that it leaps to us, leaps from the page to us. Father, pray that your spirit might prompt our hearts, our minds tonight to hear what you have to say to us. Give us open hearts, open minds, open ears. Speak to us, Lord, we pray. Speak to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. So as I said, here we are on the uh, first Sunday of a new year. A year lies before us, full of unknown wonders and possibilities, and perhaps some potential problems. We can perhaps see a new year as a, a welcome gift, or perhaps more, we might see it as a list of weary days to endure. I'm told that there are only 353 shocking days for Christmas. But I think it depends on your perspective, doesn't it? How you approach what lies before. I heard uh, a, a good toast last week for the new year. I was at a family gathering and someone toasted, may all your troubles last as long as your new year's resolutions. <laughs> I thought that was kind of profound and honest, isn't it? May all your, all your troubles last as long as your new year resolutions. I'm sure we've all made those New Year's resolutions that have been abandoned before the end of the week. So maybe that is a good, not a toast, but a good prayer uh, for us. But looking into, like looking into anything new, it depends largely on your attitude to the new thing that is before you. And that can be often determined by your experience of the past. And perhaps what you're carrying with you from the old into the new. And that's where we're at with, uh, with the people of Israel. As we are continuing through Isaiah, we've reached the point where Isaiah is prophesying, having prophesied the fact that the people will be taken from, from, uh, from Jerusalem into exile, into Babylon. He's now at the point where he's prophesying the time when he looks forward to Jerusalem. God would use Cyrus the Persian to the Israelites from captivity in Babylon. And the fall of Babylon was an, uh, a major event in the ancient world. Not least because no one thought it was ever going to happen. 
It's amazing, as uh, even in some of the ancient documents uh, that uh, we sit, al- we can sit alongside the the, the biblical uh, records. Um, we're told that even Cyrus set, was quoted as saying that he never thought that the walls of Babylon would come down. That he never thought that Babylon could ever be brought down. And we know that uh, Belshazzar, the king in Babylon, didn't think he was happy. In fact, on the night that the uh, the Persians uh, turned up, he was having a party. We read about that in, in Daniel. But God spoke, and this happened. This incredible event was something that nobody thought would happen. And here we were, thinking about a world standing at the edge of a new beginning. Isaiah was, was prophesying 120 years before this happened. And he says, well, when we get to this point, we need to know what we're doing. We, know, we need to know God's word for this new beginning. What was it? How were God's people to approach this new beginning? And as Isaiah brings God's word to this new situation, one of the key questions he asks is, what will you carry from the old to the new? What is your attitude going to be to this new thing that God is doing? Now, one of the... uh, we all know that one of the features of, of modern life are comparison websites. We all know those little creatures and whatever. Compare the meerkat.com or whatever. Whether it's for your insurance or whether it's for your cheapest flights or holidays, there's a website that helps you to compare the alternatives. And as I says, the first thing w- that the people of God need to get right is their attitude towards God, their understanding of God. So Isaiah offers them an ancient comparison website, a a sort of compareyourgod.com. And he begins with a withering review of the gods of Babylon, Bel and Nebo. And then moves on to challenge his readers. In verse 5 he says, With whom you will compare me or count me equal? To whom will you liken me? that we may be compared. Everyone who had, been, who had visited Babylon would have been made aware of the imposing statues of Bel and Nebo in Babylon. Imposing statues that, that were there for people to bow down and, and the priests had developed uh, impressive rituals to go with the worship of these, uh, these idols. And Babylon being a great military power, they would have believed that much of their military might depended upon these gods. And the Israelites, as slaves in that city, would have been, would certainly have felt the apparent power of these gods. But Isaiah says, as he begins this chapter, Baal bows down, Nebo stokes they stoops low, their idols are borne by the beasts of burden. The images that are carried about are burdensome, a burden for the weary. They stoop and bow down together, unable to rescue the burdened. As I said, Bel and Nebo were the pagan gods of Babylon. Bel translates the word as the word Lord. 
was another name for, for Marduk, the god of the, the chief god of the city. While Nebo was his, supposed to be his son, and the word Nebo means speaker. Nebo was the one who was believed to write on the pages of destiny all that the gods decreed for the coming year. So the festivals of Bel and Nebo were important New Year festivals. This procession that uh, Isaiah sees in his mind's eye was a regular one that all the people of Babylon would have seen. But in Isaiah's prophetic eye, as Cyrus the Persian and his army approaches, he sees the people of Babylon carrying their idols out of the city to to safety. And as they go, he says, it looks like they're bowing down, they're stooping. This is no celebration. And he highlights the, the irony of the scene. Here are the two great gods of Babylon. Oh, what are they doing? Nothing. Well, that's not quite right. They're worse than nothing. What they're doing is burdening these poor animals that have to carry them. And their burden is wearying. Isaiah is saying, look, these, these gods, these false gods, are worse than useless. In the end, they just wear you out. Far from helping the people of Babylon, these false gods were about to go into captivity along with their followers. Isaiah reminds us how these, um, these things come into being, how these idols come into being. Someone pays a fortune to a goldsmith who makes it into a god and they fall down and worship it. In uh, a couple of chapters before, in chapter 44, we've heard the description that's all, almost laughable where he says there's a, there's a carpenter that, that cuts down a tree, cuts in half. One year, half he uses to light the fire to keep him warm and to cook his dinner. The other half he uses to make a, an idol to worship. And he says no one stops to think. No one is acknowledged or understood. Half of it was used for fuel. I baked the bread over its coals and roasted the meat. Shall I bow down to a block of wood? Isaiah is saying, you have to see these things for what they are. Perhaps an irony that when people put their trust in false gods, those gods become a burden. We see it in our modern world, don't we? Whether it's money or power, or relationships, or feelings, or other people, or fame, or looks, or sex, whatever it is. It's not very long before that which we, in which we place our trust and our devotion, our worship, becomes the burden that weighs us down and wears us out. We see so much evidence. But in comparison comes the voice of God. Listen to me, you descendants of Jacob, all the remnant of the people of Israel, you whom I have upheld since your birth, I've carried since you were born, even to your old age and grey hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. Here's the great contrast. Here's the great comparison between the false gods of Babylon and the God of Israel. They require to be carried. He carries us. He picks us up. You remember that wonderful promise of, of chapter 40. He tends his flock like a shepherd 
he gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. Our God, he doesn't burden us. He picks us up. He carries us. He takes us to himself. He says he carried them from birth to old age. That might be good news for some of us. Even to your old age and grey hairs, I envy you. I don't know, Val reminded me that maybe that's a, a personal uh, word to me. Because in 2019, I get to my 60th birthday. I won't tell you when. I was, I was saying this morning, 60 is the new 35. Even in our grey hairs, I am he. Whatever, whether we're young or old, we need to know, we need that feeling, know that feeling of needing to be carried, that feeling of needing to be held. And that's what God says, I do. I will carry you. I will carry you into this new year. I made you, and I will carry you. I will sustain you. I will rescue you. What a fantastic set of promises isn't it, to take into a new year. What a fantastic set of promises for the Israelites to take back to Jerusalem with them. I have made, I will carry, I will sustain, I will rescue. It's the amazing thing, isn't it, about God's grace, about his love to us, that despite our rebelliousness, he carries us. And he continues to carry us right through to old age. bringing us rescue, salvation. That salvation that Jesus won for us and that by the Holy Spirit is guaranteed to us. Isaiah wants us to see the comparison, to see what a contrast our God is to the false gods of the world. They can do nothing for us. Despite the world being full of them, they can do nothing for us. Isaiah's challenge as we enter a new year is to ask, where are we putting our trust? What are we carrying with us? What are the things that are a burden to us? What false gods are wearing us out before we even start? I want to take your burden. I will carry you. I will carry you. Reminds of those words of Jesus, my, uh, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I will carry you. talking recently to a, an older lady who, who travelled up here uh, on the train and uh, she had to do that, she had to go into London across London and back out again and she was telling me that uh, she was carrying her quite heavy suitcase, she was coming for a couple of weeks and she said that whenever she comes, it's an amazing thing that when she gets to a station she gets to the bottom of the stairs and she looks up, somebody comes and picks up her case and carries it for her isn't that amazing? Sometimes we carry, we struggle to carry things, don't we? And God says, I don't want you carrying old burdens into new things. I don't want that for you. Maybe the beginning of a new year is a time perhaps to let go, to let the things that weigh us down, the false gods that perhaps weigh us down, and let the God who made you carry you, sustain you, rescue you. Isaiah goes on in verse 7. They set it up in its place, and there it stands from that spot. It cannot move. Even though someone cries out to it, it cannot answer. 
you cannot save them from their problems. They're powerless. How can a lifeless piece of wood or metal save you from trouble? Of course it can't. But again, Isaiah is quick to say, but God is different. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me and there is no other like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from the ancient times, what is still to come. And I say, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. God not only listens to the cries of his people, not only does he long to take those burdens from us, but he's also a God who speaks. And unlike Nebo, he speaks truth about the future. He speaks into the future because when he speaks, the world is changed. When he spoke, Cyrus caused the downfall of Babylon and God's people were released. Later on in chapter 55, we're told that his word does not return to him empty. Israel will see the reality of that which Cyrus, as I say, comes at God's call to fulfill his purpose of deliverance. But we see it in our own lives. What God says will happen comes to pass. God has a plan and a purpose. One of the things about standing on the edge of the new year is not knowing what the year will bring. We can perhaps look back over the past year and think, what would we have liked to have known? At the beginning of 2018, did we think that we, were, we would be where we are now? The things that have happened to us over the last year. And as part of us, would like to know the future, wouldn't we? As we step into a new year, we think, I'd like to know what's going to happen next. But God says, I know it. And I speak into it. As I said, neither Babylon, Persia, nor the Israelites really believe what was going to happen next. But God speaks and the world changes. He holds, he says, the beginning and the end, today and tomorrow. Again, what a wonderful promise. Whatever the year God, whatever the year has for us, God holds it. And us. He has a plan and a purpose that is more than just about the coming year, but beyond that. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times. What is still to come, I say. My purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. Now, that doesn't mean, of course, that nothing will go wrong. Or there won't be any difficulties or struggles in the, in the coming year. I was uh, over uh, last uh, weekend, uh, went to a, a sort of a family gathering, and uh, one of my uh, uncles, who's not a Christian, um, and he had this strange idea, strange to me anyway, is that um, nothing should ever go in the lives of Christians. Nothing should ever go wrong. Because we've got good God looking after us. And so if that, anything goes wrong, that means God's not looking after us. Because God will sort it out, surely. But of course we know it's not like that. We know it don't like work like that. We're, we're broken people who live in a broken and dark world, and we live in that reality. But the difference is that we know that Jesus has brought life and light into that darkness. 
God's word, Jesus has rescued us. See, we might go wrong, but God plans it out. God has a, has a plan and a purpose, no matter what happens. And he holds us and carries us and speaks into that. I have to say, at the end of that conversation, um, I used um, one of my favorite quotes. This is one of my favorite quotes. Is that, you know, bad things happen to us, but God looks after it. And we have the assurance of that. That's why we sing blessed assurance and not blessed insurance. sing blessed assurance because we know we don't sing blessed insurance because we don't want anything to happen following Jesus is about having the assurance of God who not only speaks into our future but determines it the Israelites were being told that God was coming to rescue them and as uh, Isaiah's prophecy develops, he then begins to realize that he anticipates that some of them won't want to know about it. They've settled down for life in Babylon, even life in slavery, and they don't want things to change. We have a similar example, don't we, on the, in the Exodus, where the things get a bit difficult, and they say, oh, if only we were back in Egypt. We, we knew what was happening back then. We have this amazing capacity as human beings, don't we? to get comfortable even in the most difficult situations. But God is bringing change to their life and they don't want anything to do with it. They'd rather stay in Babylon as prisoners and exiles. We have this amazing capacity to make comfortable even the most horrendous of circumstances. As some of you know, I was I'm brought up in the East End of London. Um, born a decade or so after the end of the war. And all the adults around me would tell me as I grew up that it was so much better during the Blitz. <laughs> and they genuinely believe that. We have that amazing capacity to be comfortable in the most horrendous of situations and not want it to change. And so God, through Isaiah, pleads with his people, listen to me, you stubborn-hearted. You who are now far from my righteousness... I'm bringing my righteousness near. It's not far away and my salvation will not be delayed. It's that paradox, isn't it? God has brought, them, brought their salvation near to them, but they're still far away from it. But he says, the clock's ticking. My salvation will not be delayed. If you don't get ready, you'll miss out. And I think that challenges us again. How much of what God is doing do we miss out on because we've grown comfortable with the familiar? Familiar even with the difficult and the painful familiar. We'd rather hold on to what we know rather than walk with Jesus and trust him for the unknown. I have to say, I've known a number of churches and just want to stick with the comfortable known and will refrange from the familiar and the comfortable. That must break, it breaks my heart. I know people who, who have held on to stuff that Jesus would want to carry for them, burdens that he would want to take from them, things he wants to forgive them from, 
from or heal them from. But even knowing that, they still want to hold on to it because it's comfortable. It's familiar. And they refuse to allow him to work in their lives. Sometimes God can be so near. He wants to do so much but can be yet so far. As I say, I've known churches that have withered and died even if they don't know it yet because they've not allowed God to work, them, to work among them because they, it might be unfamiliar and possibly uncomfortable. They're quite happy as they are, thank you. If I had a pound for every person I've ever spoken to down the years who at the end of a conversation have said, actually, I'm quite happy, there's what I got, thank you. I don't need God. I'm quite comfortable with how life is for me, thank you. for everyone I'd be a rich man I'd be on a cruise now rather than standing here somewhere the good news is it isn't far away and Jesus longs for us to take hold of what he has for us and it's never too late to step out into what God has for us and to allow Jesus to reign in our lives So perhaps as we think about moving into a new year, maybe the question for us is, what do we carry? What do we carry into the new year? Will we remain faithful? Will we recommit ourselves to the only true and living God? Will we trust him alone for salvation and security? Are there things in our lives that we sometimes put in the place of God? but he actually offer us nothing except wearying burdens. Have a look at Isaiah's until your dog drops, your God drops down. Will we trust God to look after us in a different place where we won't be in full control of what's happening? Will we take hold of his promises that he will carry us that he will sustain us. He will rescue us. Or are we just comfortable where we are? Will we continue to hold on to those burdens that Jesus wants to take away from us? That guilt that he wants to forgive, that heartache, heartache he wants to heal. Are we ready to step out of the comfortable to what God has for us, even though it might be uncomfortable? tells us God's word I am God and there is no other I am God and there is none like me whatever 2019 holds for us God says I make known the end from the beginning from ancient times to what is still to come I say my purpose will stand and I
in a few moments in prayer.